Thank you for being a listener of the We Are LA Tech podcast. To support and collaborate with the community, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener. You'll have ad-free episodes and join us on our monthly Zoom calls with other podcast listeners and get to know the community at wearelatech.love, linked in the show notes. When you're building something that's meant to be for everybody, it's really interesting to have your social circle, the people that you're talking to about what you're building, be everybody. I'm Alex Bloomberg, host of the podcast Startup, and you're listening to We Are LA Tech. My name is Esprit Devora, born and raised L.A., and I created We Are L.A. Tech in 2012 to unify the community. Podcast launched in 2014, continuing to help people find the best talent to connect with each other, to form awesome relationships. So proud of this show. Enjoy. Today's We Are LA Tech shout out goes to Dave Whelan. Dave, thank you so much for supporting and cheering on the We Are LA Tech community and podcast. Be sure to say hello to Dave on social on LinkedIn, D-A-V-E, last name W-H-E-L-A-N. He is just so cool building Rebel Labs. Rebel Labs is a leading science-based revolution in wellness arena encompassing mind, body, and spirit. They are teaching us how to build a healthy life and providing building blocks of knowledge from food to fitness. And oh my God, are they amazing. Tell me you found them via We Are LA Tech. Join thousands of people in LA Tech on our We Are LA Tech Facebook group where you can discover events, job opportunities, and even housing. Go to wearelatech.com slash community. We'll take you straight there. That's wearelatech.com slash community. This personal spot is dedicated to Danny Miranda, who was kind enough to have an amazing conversation with me this week when I when I hit like a low moment. And he just reminded me and this is so cliche, but also so not, the importance of the journey, not the destination. And I know we've heard this before. Danny Miranda is a podcaster, and he's absolutely amazing. Check him out on Twitter, Hey Danny Miranda. And he truly um, like falls in love with the journey of life. And he was talking about, like, think about it. In a few years from now, like, if I have a, a lot more status and I'm, you know, uh, have a, a really crazy busy schedule, like, I may not have the time to connect with friends the way I'm connecting with friends right now. And that's a blessing that I have that time. So in each chapter of our lives, we have these little fortunate opportunities that maybe we're not recognizing, like, yeah, maybe we don't have the accolades or the the status we want yet, but yet we have this other opportunity. And then later when we're in a different chapter, we'll have different opportunities. And so in every single moment of our journey to take that time to recognize like the blessings that we have right now, the opportunities that we have right now, and really being grateful for those and appreciating those. Like if we're an entrepreneur, yes, it's stressful to like be a founder, to be an entrepreneur, but at the same time, how cool that we could invent our own schedule and with inventing our own schedule shouldn't we make that time to like go outside take a walk like dedicate that 15 minutes to a friend whatever it is like what opportunities do we have because we have this flexible schedule or if it's a kind of situation in our lives 
maybe we're single and like maybe you have the dream of like being in a relationship but while you're single what are the different kinds of things that you could enjoy on your own that maybe when you're in a partnership with with your romantic partner you won't have the same kind of opportunities so I mean just thinking about and falling in love with the journey and all the little like moments of the journey that was just such a great great reminder and also like state of awareness that he brought to my attention so I appreciate him enjoy the next episode Tech podcast spotlighting LA tech companies and talent. So excited for our next guest. Welcome, Daniel. Hello. Hi, that was really exciting. Thanks for uh, the amazing <laughs> intro. Uh, it's inspired by like the WWF and uh, Steven Tyler, but that's a story for another time. <laughs> so go ahead, Daniel. Tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do. So I am Daniel. I'm the CEO and founder of Topia. Uh, which is really trying to evolve how people socialize online, how they have experiences together, how they come together as community, how they bring people together. Uh, And we're basically this big open game canvas that you can customize and then you can click to move around. And as you get closer to people, your audio and video fades in, kind of like we're on a Zoom call. And so you can have 200 people in a big world uh, and you move around, you can be in small groups, one-on-ones, We actually just hosted, we were co-hosts of Burning Man two weeks ago, uh, which is something that we can talk about. And, uh, you know, so we had hundreds of people there and people are having really uh, interesting experiences, forming friendships. What we saw last year with Burning Man is that some of these people actually became friends for the entire year through the pandemic, um, had never actually met in person. But because they had these experiences, because they had the agency to actually have serendipity and move around, you know, you're forming real friendships and really socializing as though you're in person. So am I understanding this right, that you were the official virtual reality for Burning Man? So there were a few different platforms that uh, co-hosted Burning Man. We are not uh-huh. virtual reality. We're all browser-based. Um, so we're the sort of accessible uh, version. We're the very accessible Burning Man. Well, so I guess when I use the word virtual reality, because I've used Topia, what would you call it then? If it's not called virtual reality, what is the experience of Topia called? You know, it's it's browser-based social experience, right? So it's browser-based social immersion, social experience platform. VR in in you know the connotation is that you're using a headset and you don't have to use a headset for for Topia. Yeah, no, totally. It's interesting because I didn't have like my tech hat on to think of words in a really technical way. And I feel like a lot of people, if they're just kind of thinking about these enhanced, like we call them virtual meetings right? Like a Zoom is a virtual meeting. So that word virtual starts to get thrown around. And I feel like if you told me like browser social experience, I'd be like, what? But if you said, yeah, it's like a a virtual reality. I'm like, oh, cool. Like I wouldn't immediately picture goggles. So essentially like, because it was really cool when I used Topia, like there'd be a river inside Topia or something. And I could literally sit at this river and hear river sounds. And then somebody could walk up to me like in my browser, as Daniel saying, but like can walk up to me and I could see them in the picture, but I see their little avatar. And then we're like sitting and talking by the river. And then like, if we're at a conference, we can like virtually walk over to the, or like browserly walk, whatever the term is over to the conference and listen to a speaker. And then there's like, 
these again i don't know if i'm using the right terminology but these like simulated screens and sim is that the right word simulator is that not okay yeah (laughs) you know you can even say virtual screens we're not we're not uh, against the word virtual actually the first version of topia the early version of topia was a virtual reality platform what essentially happened is when the pandemic hit we kind of scrapped everything that we'd been working on and went for accessibility and also for human connection given where vr technology is you know one of the realities is when you're wearing a headset you can't be looking people in their eyes right and so Real human connection, like how we evolve to connect with other humans is by looking at each other, right? Seeing each other's eyes, seeing body language. Avatar-based connection is not really human yet. Um, And it may be in the future, but A, it's not that human, and B, it's not that accessible because it's kind of expensive to have VR headsets and uh, most people don't really have them. And, you know, even for those that do, it can be a little bit overwhelming, intimidating, and not really, you know, it's it's great for gaming right now. It's not really ideal technology yet for human connection. I remember when I first experienced browser-based reality, like it blew my mind. I did an event with Red Bull and I was a speaker at Red Bull's, you know, browser-based reality. And they rebuilt my actual podcast studio in the Red Bull world. It was just crazy. Like I could see the my posters and my mic set up and they asked me to send them pictures and they were able to like rebuild this. It's just crazy where we're taking all of this. I'm sure Topia really took off during the pandemic with us having to virtually live. How was the traction during that time? And like, and what's the future of Topia looking like now? Because I'm sure all virtual companies are looking like, how do we integrate in this hybrid of virtual and in-person, not even knowing where we're going day to day? You know, great point around the pandemic. Um, The reality is that we're actually solving a pain point and a problem that existed long before the pandemic of, you know, how do you actually socialize? How do you make new friends online? You know, a lot of social media right now is uh, has historically been about my persona that I'm crafting and then the content that I'm broadcasting out to the world to reinforce that persona. It's not really about making other human connections on platform that are that are based on real experiences, right? That are based on uh, collaborative memories. And so how do you, we, really what we set out to do is create an experience platform where people can socialize and make uh, friends in the way that they do in real life. You know, the pandemic really accelerated this need that was going to emerge anyways. It really, you know, already existed, but something like remote work, right, was a trend that was already already happening. And my thought was that over the 2020s, we were going to see this big acceleration of people going into remote work situations, diversifying your workforce across the the world. With remote work, one of the big things, obviously you need remote productivity tools like Asana and Slack and that's and, and Zoom. Those have kind of enabled remote work. But what you miss with uh, with remote work often is remote play, right? And remote serendipity, the water cooler time, the happy hours, the sort of unstructured time when you can rub shoulders with your coworkers and have serendipity where you are hanging out at a bar with the CEO talking about things and having that kind of access. You know, another trend that has always existed is that if you are in the San Francisco headquarters of a tech company, you're like a tier one employee. But if you're at the St. Louis office, you don't have the same kind of access to the executives, to to the employees. Um, And so, you know, how do you have a diversified global workforce if everybody can't be in the headquarters and they're therefore not 
engaged in the same way, right? So this is just an example of how globalization has actually made it that uh, you know you you need to have a way to have serendipity, to have unstructured happy hours, and, and these sorts of things. Um, and so you know these trends were already occurring. The pandemic definitely accelerated that, accelerated everybody's awareness of it. It made uh, workforces that weren't really global go global, go remote. That was helpful for Topia, but that was never, you know, we, we obviously weren't planning for a pandemic. You know, things happen that move the ball forward towards the direction it was going anyways. And, and I think that's what happened in this case. I mean, Daniel, it's devastating what you're saying. Are you saying that not everything revolves around Slack? I mean, <laughs> I can't, I don't know if I can handle this. <laughs> I, I love no, Slack. I, I think, it's great. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I think it, I think it's a great point that like Slack emails, like when you're talking about creating a remote culture, that doesn't cut it. We need to have a more intimate way to connect with one another in a way that feels organic and in as in person as can be, no matter where you're located in the world, pandemic or not. Yeah. So, well, how large is the team? Uh, so our team right now is nine. We actually are, uh, we have a few offers out, so we're about to be 11. Um, and we're scaling up pretty fast. We actually raised uh, a little over $5 million um, a few months ago with uh, 776 as our lead, who's uh, the, the uh, partners there are uh, Caitlin Holloway and Alex Sohanian, who's one of the f- co-founders of Reddit. Um, so, you know, they, they're very much on this mission of we're evolving how people socialize online, how communities come together. Uh, and so, you know, we have enough dry powder now to scale the team, really go for it. And uh, so, you know, bright days ahead. And let's introduce your puppy because I do hear your puppy. So what kind of dog do you have? And it's totally OK, but let's just like let let everybody in on the secret. So tell us a little bit about your puppy for a second. <laughs> Her name is Zoe. She's 10 years old. She's a uh, Cavalier King Charles Spaniel and Poodle mix. Uh, she's a redhead. And she is uh, has not been fed breakfast, so she's trying to let everybody know that she's hungry. I'm wondering, actually, being a dog owner, have you found that being a dog owner and in L.A. that you have opportunities? Because when I was doing the We Are LA Tech Experience Club, we would have dog park activities. And there was some networking opportunity. It's super wild, but it's like a networking hack to own a dog. Have you had that same experience? Yeah, definitely. Actually, some of my best friends uh, are really the parents of other puppies that we've connected because of our dogs. Um, We brought Zoe to puppy kindergarten when she was young, for example. And um, there's yeah, there were a few people there that we really connected with and our our dogs really liked each other. So we would meet up so that our dogs could socialize. We became good friends. So it's it's kind of amazing that way. Um, it does have some requirements. So now I'm a little, I guess, in where I am willing to live in L.A. And L.A. is actually great for this because there's a lot of places that have outdoor space. But, you know, outdoor space is kind of like a prereq for me. Um, just letting my dog be able to go out the back, especially when I'm working really hard, you know, not having like to outdoor like. outdoor space should be a prereq for all of us, not yeah, just for right. the dog. <laughs> Well, I lived in New York City for many years and outdoor uh, space is like impossible to come by. It's one of the great things about L.A. So you raised money recently, and is 776 located in L.A. or outside of L.A.? Uh, They're not L.A.-based. I don't know where their official headquarters is. Uh, Alexis spends most of his time in Miami. They have people. uh, They actually have pretty much a distributed team. There are people in San Francisco, I think maybe New York. They may have somebody in L.A. uh, as well. They, like many companies now, 
are distributed around the country. They're, they're not pinned down to one place, which is nice. Is there an LA Tech resource that you recommend everybody check out? Good question. So we have two primary investors. One is 776 that I already talked about. Uh, the other is Bonfire Ventures, who is an LA-based VC firm that traditionally actually focuses on B2B investments. Topia is a little bit of a complex organism, and we have B2C, we have B2B elements, we also have a, a vibrant creator ecosystem, but what's really important to us is having a viable business model so that we're never ad-based, unlike most social media. And so Bonfire are experts at business models, at sales structures, business development, partnerships. Um, they're, they're an amazing team. I can't recommend hi- them highly enough, even if you're not a traditional B2B company. If you want to have a good business model, Bonfire is the way to go. And, uh, you know, it helps that they're LA based. They have a very similar perspective to how we think about the world, um, you know, diversity of perspective. They have amazing connections and resources. And so, you know, I, I recommend for anybody that's in LA to get yourselves an LA VC if you're going the VC route. Um, because often they'll be really helpful. Speaking of Miami, why LA? Because a lot of people have been talking about Miami during the pandemic. There was a mass exodus to Austin, and then there's a huge inflow. It seems like all of Gen Z has moved to Los Angeles. So, so why why LA for tech? Why is this the city to grow a company? We're trying to evolve how people socialize, but we're also building the fun layer of the internet and. In many ways, you know, if you're going to build financial technology, you should be in New York. If you're going to build developer tools, you should be where the developers are, which is in San Francisco, at least historically. If you're building fun and entertaining software, there's no better place in L.A. One of the reasons for that, and I've lived in New York, San Francisco, L.A., each for, for many years. One of the things that's very unique about L.A. is uh, the diversity of perspective, right? And you have... When you go to a party in San Francisco, almost everybody's in tech. When you go to a party in New York, most people are in finance. When you go to a party in LA, you have a really interesting mix of technology people, musicians, artists, uh, creative types, finance people as well are here. When you're building something that's meant to be for everybody, it's really interesting to have your social circle, the people that you're talking to about what you're building, be everybody. 100% agree. I mean, I'm in a a lot of YouTube uh, communities and even a lot of YouTubers are like, I need to move to LA just to meet other people that they'll share with me that the city that they live in, there's nobody that does what they do. And here in LA, we're so, it's so abundant that we have so many tech people, so many people in Hollywood, so many people in YouTube, so many people in all the creator economy. And I'm like, what do you mean? There's no one. I can't even imagine a reality that no one does these things because it's all I'm surrounded by. That's really great. And, you know, the other thing that uh, I personally believe in is creators. Right. And those are creative types, but it's people that are uh, that are artists, musicians, anything that's that's really uh, what it means to be human, which I, th- I believe is the creative lens. You know, as we think about the future and artificial intelligence, the integration of different technologies like bionic implants into our minds, all sorts of crazy stuff that's coming, it's going to be really hard to uh, replace human creativity. And so it's actually something that we really should be focused on making viable and not just like the top 1% of creators, but how does somebody that's uh, an ordinary artist make a living being an artist. 
Uh, it's the kind of thing that growing up, I was sort of under the impression that you can't be an artist and have any kind of financial independence or freedom. And I think what we've seen over the last couple of years is a massive shift in that with different creator economies, things like Twitch, uh, for example, that allow you to be a game player artist, right? Different f different types of creativity, different types of art are now not just being encouraged, but are becoming viable career paths. Um, and, and you, you know, young people, future generations are seeing that and saying, hey, I don't need to be a doctor or a lawyer or a software engineer in order to have financial independence. I can be a creative. That's amazing. And I think that the epicenter for a lot of that is Los Angeles. Let's talk about how you built your creativity, your Topia. What was the origin story of the first idea of Topia and then how you started building and what did that look like and where are you today? So Topia is actually really a journey that I've been on for the last seven years. I had a startup in 2015 that was called Body, and it was a way for fitness instructors to create their own virtual fitness studios with their own branding, pricing, and then teach live interactive classes uh, that were very experiential where they could see the participants and participants could see each other. So it emulated that experience of being in person, kind of like what you see a little bit with Peloton, but uh, more more like Zoom meets Peloton. And this was using a very similar technology called WebRTC, Web Real-Time Communication, that we're actually using in Topia. And the reason I, one of the, one of the reasons I did that is uh, for a similar kind of uh, um, goal of empowering ordinary fitness instructors to be able to build communities around them and then teach these live classes where Participants can actually be in community with one another and have the experience where like I could be in Los Angeles, my sister's in Chicago, we can take a class together and we can see each other like we're in person. And there was really no way to do that online. And so that was seven years ago. Um, ever since I've been, uh, I've been building different technologies, platforms, I've built dozens of things over the uh, course of six years. And, you know, some of them in Los Angeles, some in uh, in New York. I actually lived in Southeast Asia for, for a bit doing this as well. And along all of my journeys, one of the things that I found is, um, you know, in, in Bali, for example, in Southeast Asia where I lived, um, there were a lot of musicians and dance teachers that really struggled to figure out how to make a real living, how to make this a viable lifestyle, uh, how to attract people to their retreats, for example. And um, I, I tried to help some of them with digital marketing, with building a digital brand. Um, and it kind of kicked me onto this path of realizing, hey, what if we could create a platform that makes this really, really easy for them to uh, have access to people all over the world? You don't have to live in Bali to be able to experience this thing. You could live in New York City, take a course or you know, have an experience with somebody that lives in Bali that's facilitating this experience, that's creating a, a world that you can come and begin community in. Um, so that was really the origin of Topia in many ways. I was also the chief product officer for a company called Everpedia in uh, in Los Angeles, based in Santa Monica. You know, there we completely redesigned, reimagined, rebuilt the platform. And essentially that's kind of like a um, uh, Wikipedia on the blockchain and it's creating economic incentives to participate in this communal knowledge creation and curation. You know, with my sort of, okay, how do we empower creators combined with a lot of community focus, but including my Everpedia experience, how do we create economic incentives for community organizers to, to be able to bring people together around different topics? 
was really the birth of Topia, which originally I planned to be a virtual reality, fully immersive social experience platform over the 2020s. And I was building uh, different like uh, immersive games, uh, VR technology, uh, social VR technology on top of uh, different platforms like Mozilla Hubs. And uh, basically when the pandemic hit, I realized that the opportunity was not over the 2020s. It was right now and everybody desperately needed this. They were trying to bring their communities together using Zoom. And so I threw out everything I'd built and restarted with a browser-based platform, found somebody that wanted to throw an event in three weeks. And I was like, look, if I can build a prototype of this, and here's what I'm thinking, if I can build a prototype, would you be our first customer? And he said, yes. And, you know, I spent three weeks not sleeping, built out a prototype. We had our first event. It was for a group called Reimagine, which is celebration of life through recognition of death. Kind of a Burning Man-y kind of thing. Um, we had our first event. It was amazing. People were crying, saying it was the, the most connected they'd been during the pandemic. Um, impromptu funeral services, memorials, dancing, singing. Yeah, it was crazy. And from there, we basically, you know, we threw an event every weekend, got feedback, yeah, a lot of times I'd go into the events, not even say that I was with Topia, just hearing what people were saying about the platform. Um, generally, people were really positive, but like, oh, the videos are too small. Okay, great. Let's make them bigger. Through an event every weekend, iterate during the weekdays. Somebody from Burning Man wound up coming to an event. They were like, this is amazing. Can you help us build something like this for Burning Man? And look, I've been a burner for seven years. So you know, I'm like, yeah, we love Burning Man. And my team is all you know, mostly burners. We love Burning Man. We'll help you figure out how to build this yourself. They tried for a couple months, realized that wasn't really feasible. Uh, and instead, hey, can we actually just have Topia co-host Burning Man this year? Great. Let's do that. So we did that last year. We wound up doing it again two weeks ago. And yeah, that's that's the origin story. That's so cool. And then you live in WeHo, so New York and Bali and now WeHo. Why West Hollywood? Like, why is that the place? Like, if somebody were to land in L.A., what would you tell them about West Hollywood and why they should choose to live in that area? That's a great question. I lived in Santa Monica for many years. And during the pandemic, actually moved out to Palm Springs to just get more space. WeHo is... uh, is really great. It's got a great energy. When pandemic was sort of lifting, I just wanted to be in the action. Um, and so WeHo's got really amazing restaurants. It has a very active nightlife. Um, it turns out, you know, as I've been here, I don't actually go out that much. I just work a lot. So I haven't really gone out as much as I would like to say that I, I uh, would. But anytime that I do, there's a million options, right? And WeHo's right in the center of it all. So I have friends that live in in Burbank or in the hills where 15 minutes from there, 10 minutes from there. The beach is 25 minutes. You know, really anything you want, it's within 30 minutes of WeHo. Uh, and then, you know, the restaurant scene is really great. I can get good delivery. Um, you know, I go out to some restaurants here that are also awesome. I may move back to the beach. Um, and I think the beach is also amazing. Santa Monica is amazing. Venice um, is really great. One of the really big benefits, I think, is that the air quality is actually better towards the beach. Um, and just the like the ocean breeze is really wonderful. But there's a little bit less going on. You know, it's it's a little bit uh, more of like a beach town vibe. Whereas WeHo is like when I grew up and I saw movies of Los Angeles, they're talking about here, right? This is like, yeah, this is like is true, true LA. Yeah. <laughs> I'm by the beach. I could tell you there's not much going on. <laughs> no. <laughs> and what restaurant do you recommend? A restaurant and a hike. Yeah. So 
I think restaurant, I mean, there's, there's a ton of restaurants. Uh, one that really recently I've um, been going to a lot anytime I go over to Venice is Great White, um, which is kind of like un, un, unknown maybe or underplayed, but uh, it's really good. The food's amazing. It's pretty much all outdoor. It's got a good vibe. The, the wait staff's really nice. You know, the only downside of it, I haven't really been able to find outlets to plug my computer into, which is probably by design, probably by intention. But, uh, you know, so it's not really a place I go and work. It's a place that I go with friends and I hang out. You know, hike, again, there's a, there's a million hikes around here. Um, I actually just went out to Lake Arrowhead, um, which is, you know, an hour and a half away from L.A. But still, it's an hour and a half away. You can go skiing. There's amazing hiking. There's a lake. Big Bear, similar time frame, incredible hiking. You, you know, it's it's straight up forest. Um, and it's one of the great things about L.A. is that you can literally be on the beach. You can go to the desert uh, an hour and a half away. Then you can go to skiing in the mountains in, in the forest 40 minutes from there. So, you know, I love that. In L.A. itself, I think Runyon Canyon's just gorgeous. Um, and so that's probably my favorite L.A. hike. A lot of people keep telling me I should take a weekend off and just go to Big Bear. So I haven't done that in a really long time. So yeah, 100%. What LA tech talent or company have you come across who's really impressed you? Yeah, there there are a lot of amazing people and a lot of amazing companies. Um, we've actually had a bunch of different allies in LA that have come, uh, kind of helped grow Topia organically as we've been building this. One of them in particular is uh, somebody named Brian Switchko, who's an organizer of a community called One Inc. Uh, he also, so, you know, part of the origin of Topia is that uh, he used to throw these uh, symposium events where he'd bring together a community of people from a diverse range. He'd kind of curate this group. And I think it was monthly, but maybe every two weeks. Uh, and this was pre-pandemic you'd have 50 to 100 people that are all pretty interesting doing different things, artists, musicians, tech founders, VCs. Um, and so, you know, when the pandemic hit, he had to stop doing the symposiums. And uh, I'd already been tinkering around, you know, as, as I mentioned before, I'd been building uh, versions of Topia and virtual reality. Uh, it was really hard for him to figure out how is he going to do these symposiums? Because one of the beauties of it was that everybody was in small groups and, uh, you know, interacting with each other in zoom, you can't really do that. You can't self facilitate. You can't form your own small groups. A facilitator can, can create breakout rooms, but that's, that's way too structured. It's not fun. Uh, it doesn't feel authentic. And so how do you throw symposium digitally? How do you bring people together that are diverse, that are just here to meet each other in an unstructured serendipity way? Um, and so I brought him into of an early version of Topia, uh, and he was immediately, I think his first reaction was, uh, how is this different than Second Life? And then his second re reaction was, wow, this is actually amazing. And he he spent, I think, the rest of the day wandering around the space. He actually wound up having his wedding in Topia. Yes, um, and his, I yeah, was there. Which is amazing. You were there. Okay. <laughs> at his, at his, at his uh, Topia wedding. That is crazy. Yeah, I actually discovered Topia through Brian and I remember the first time I saw it I was that I was like what is this and this is so cool I get to be by the river that was that was one of the experiences absolutely yeah he's he's kind of an LA legend and it actually represents some of the best stuff about LA which is this di this diversity of perspective diversity of backgrounds and here's an individual that is very intentionally curating a diverse group like that and it's really a special thing
I would love for everybody to check out Topia. It's topia.io. Um, so you can you can create free worlds. You can have a world for up to 25 people completely for free, 25 people at a time, which is actually a lot of people. If you invite like 100 people, you're probably not going to have more than 25 at a time. And so, you know, we encourage everybody to check it out, use it for free, customize your worlds, make them your own portal between each other's worlds. Um, that can be really fun. You know, um, you know, I would also think about this as kind of like the WordPress of social experiences. So being able to actually curate a museum of your own content, you know, for example, you're a legendary podcaster, you have tons of different podcasts, being able to actually create a world where people can walk through and consume your content interact with each other. That's the kind of thing that uh, that we're doing. And we actually have podcasters that are doing that right now, um, which is That's pretty cool. That's cool. Wait, yeah. hello. Can you tell? I didn't even ever think that that was a thing. Tell me more. Podcaster over here. What, like, what kind of worlds are podcasters creating? I'm so curious. So if you think about when you have a homepage, so you, you have a page, you have a site that lists all of your podcasts. They're probably in YouTube, right? Or wherever they live. Audio. Um, but yeah, Apple, Spotify. Yeah. Exactly. Right. And so when people want to listen to that, they have, it's a very lonely experience. They listen by themselves, right? There's really no way to socially consume your podcasts. And so in Atopia world, you can replicate that website that lists all of your podcasts into Atopia space, embed the, the, the content into objects. And then people can walk around the space and spatially consume as they, as they walk up to an object that has one of your links, it, it opens up and they get to see it but they get to do it with other people as well. And there could be a whole community. So when you talk about community engagement, your community engagement, um, this is a really wonderful way for the community to be able to interact with each other, make friends with each other around the context of your content. I have to revisit Topia because I'm I'm used to Topia for like, like I said, chilling by the river and going to a wedding. So I didn't think of it. And also it was like a conference. So yeah, that's really cool. What about people that have a hard time like adapting to this technology or maybe they don't have a strong internet connection or like what kind of friction do you experience from a consumer being like, yeah, I want to go there. I want to check it out. How do you create that? Uh, innate authentic desire where somebody just throughout their day like let me go there what is the trick in doing that so first of all by making it browser-based we are trying to lower the uh the barriers you don't need a vr headset Um, by the way that we've architected things it's really scalable it's really fluid you actually don't need uh, a super strong internet connection or really high performance pc we're still in the early days of a lot of this stuff, though, so that's going to get even better. Right now, there, you know, if you have a really, if you have a ten-year-old uh, phone or computer, you're probably going to experience some issues. And if you're in the middle of nowhere uh, with a, you know, fifty-six kilobyte internet connection, you're also going to experience some issues. Um, we're going to improve those again over time, and you know, the the trend is towards universal satellite internet everywhere, no matter where you are. And so accessibility is going to come, but. You know, we've really tried to make this not a video game because that's not very accessible. Like my 95-year-old grandfather had his birthday party in Topia. He was in there, he was clicking around, he was moving, people were connecting with him. He would never be able to use something like Fortnite, right? First of all, you need to install Fortnite. Second of all, it's an immersive 3D video game. Most people are not going to be able even, you know, my father, who's considerably younger than 95, uh, is also never going to install and use Fortnite. And so, you know, it was really, really important to us that we're actually building... Uh, a hybrid of communication technology and and a game um, and kind of like an MMO, right? Um, and so that provides accessibility. Accessibility is one of our core values, 
uh, human connection, accessibility, and safety and consent. Those are the things that we care about when we're thinking about features, thinking about people we're bringing onto the team. Um, and so, you know, that's the path that we are going down here. So you have an event coming up with Topia. What is your event about? So we have ConfluencerCon coming, which is really exciting. It's going to be a full day, 24 hours, uh, you know, global event. And it's in conjunction with our uh, with our product hunt launch. Um, and a confluencer in Topia is essentially uh, really, really a confluence in nature is when a bunch of different rivers come together and become one river. A confluencer is an entity that brings those rivers together. And in a social context, the river are people. And a confluencer is an entity that brings people together to become a community. And so this is a really important notion in not just Topia, but in the emergence of the social internet that's kind of at hand. Uh, we're not the only confluencer platform, but it is something that we're a champion of. And so ConfluencerCon is all about bringing people together so that they can learn how to bring other people together. Uh, and it's going to be a full day event. Oh, it's it's really amazing. Why didn't you just say that? <laughs> Wait, that's dope. <laughs> you should start with that. <laughs> Wait, so ConfluencerCon is uh, an event to essentially like celebrate the people bringing people together as well as educating others how they too can bring people together. That's right. That's right. And there's, there's amazing speakers. Um, it's going to be, it's going to be pretty high energy. I think we have music playing, you know, we, we have some DJs in there. Um, and you know, uh, just another thing to point out is that, um, influencers make money by gaining followers, broadcasting content that reinforces the persona that they're crafting, and then trying to get brands basically to pay them based on their follower accounts. Confluencers make money by bringing people together. And our platform itself actually pays out commissions to confluencers for bringing people together to have human connective experiences in their worlds. And so that's that's a critical part of what it means to be a confluencer is uh, that, again, just like creators being able to make a living by creating, confluencers are able to make a living by bringing people together for human connection. And so that's that's a lot of the content of what uh, ConfluencerCon's about. Wait, how is that? Like, how are the confluencers being paid? They're being paid by brands or they're being paid in event tickets or? There's a few different ways. The very basic way is whenever the people that have human connection in your worlds go and spend any money in the platform, you get a cut of it. We pay out 30% of our revenue to are confluencers. And you also can sell, um, you know, th there's also ticketing. You can get people to subscribe to your worlds. Um, in the future, that's a, a new system that we have coming out in October. Um, so there will be a lot of different ways to uh, to make money as a confluencer that are actually kind of paralleling how it works in real life. Like you can sell tickets on Eventbrite. You can get people to subscribe to your Twitch stream. Um, we're taking, you know, we're, we're taking some of the elements of community organizing from other platforms and we're smashing together in, in one platform. How is being a confluencer on Topia in the word confluencer, how is that different than the groups that exist in more like a, a I don't know what to call it, one dimensional, two dimensional, like Slack group. Let's just, we were talking about Slack, like a, if people who have these community Slack groups. I understand from a technical aspect that you're getting really rich features of seeing people in person and walking next to them. An economical aspect is like a con what makes you uh, more of a confluencer using Topia and you're less of a confluencer using Slack. So I would actually say that uh, people that are bringing people together in Slack are also confluencers. 
by the way, this is my first time hearing this word. Yeah. I've never it's a heard new it word. before. Did it's you invent it? It's a new word, it? but people, you know, we we actually, the our community came up with it. I don't know if it was, I wouldn't make the claim that uh, our community invented it by any means. I'm sure the people are are saying it and are using it in different contexts. Um, but the, the social internet that is emerging is going to be all about bringing people together and communities. And so there needs to be a word for people and for entities that do that. And Confluencer is kind of perfect. And so uh, there are Confluencer platforms already. Reddit is another one, right? Slack is one. The, there are Confluencers that bring people together so that they can connect. Um, the unique thing in Topia is that it's all synchronous connection, right? It's all authentic human connection where you actually can see the whites of each other's eyes, um, you can play, you can have experiences, you can build memories together. And so the potency of the confluence is really strong in Topia. But it doesn't mean that there aren't other confluencer platforms. If there's one thing that the community can do to support you to accelerate your success, what would your ask be? What's one thing that we could all do together to help Topia grow faster? Just come to Topia, try creating a world, bring your friends in. I think that they're going to really enjoy themselves. It's really fun. We have templates. We have a whole marketplace, a lot of free content. Some of them are paid, uh, but it's really easy to get started. And so really, what you know, the mission right now is just having people use this and not just use it because it's good for us, but use it so that you can actually connect with your friends, with your colleagues, with your loved ones, with your family all over the world. And how can people connect with you? So I'm Daniel at Topia.io. You can shoot me an email. Uh, you can find me on LinkedIn. I'm D. Liebeskind. Or on Twitter, I'm D. Liebeskind. On Instagram, I'm Explore Magic. So my first name is Daniel. My last name is Liebeskind, which is L-I-E-B-E-S-K-I-N-D. Daniel, thank you so much for hanging out with the We Are LA Tech podcast. If you want to connect and collaborate with more amazing people in the LA Tech community, remember to go to wearelatech.com slash community. That's wearelatech.com slash community. Say hello on social at We Are LA Tech on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook. I will see you guys, talk to you guys, hear you guys in the next episode. Bye. Bye. Hi, this is Daniel Liebeskin with Topia. I'm the CEO and co-founder, and we are evolving how people socialize online. Based in West Hollywood, and you're listening to We Are LA Tech. The We Are LA Tech podcast is hosted and produced by me, Esprit Devora, With help from Janice Geronimo. Edited by Corey Jennings. Production and voiceover by Adam Carroll. Music from Jay Huffman Live and Epidemic Sound. The We Are LA Tech podcast is a wearetech.fm production. Thank you for being a listener of the We Are LA Tech podcast. To support and collaborate with the community, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener at wearelatech.love. Linked in the show notes.